0: Welcome to another episode of So Every Soul Sings, Worship for the Real Church, part two of a conversation between my hero and host, Bethany Pettigo and me, around the worship ministry handbook we'll be rolling out at Woodburn Baptist Church in the coming weeks. If you are a part of our church, I hope it gives you a peek behind the curtain as we talk more about the why, about the substance of the handbook. And if you aren't from our church but found your way to us, let me remind you, all truth is God's truth. And you're welcome to use anything you hear, giving credit only to God. Adapt it, adopt it, and please, if it connects in your heart and mind in any way, use it. That's why we've shared it here. And maybe together, you and I can build a tribe of worship ministry folks who will help our churches do more than have great platform teams, tech teams, even singing. Maybe we can be the generation who sees every soul sing. Several years ago, our pastor that I brag on regularly, did a sermon series called Reflect, and it's our discipleship picture. Um, Reflect is an acronym, so R is for relationship, and E is for evangelism, and F is for fruit of the Spirit, and L is listening, and E is edification, and C is Christ likeness, and T is transformation. Um, this is what a disciple looks like it's somebody that reflects all of those things in their way of being in the world. And so I just wanted to include that because, you know, worship is a discipling activity and worship ministry is a discipling ministry. And part of what I do as a worship pastor is disciple people. And if they don't know what the picture of a disciple looks like, then I'm not doing a very good job of helping them get there. It goes back to vision and clarity and all the things we've been talking about. Um, Go ahead.
1: Do you think that most worship leaders see what they do as discipling
0: wow i don't know i haven't talked to most worship leaders um (laughs) the, the ones i've talked with i think they are aware of the fact that it happens but i don't know how strategic they are in making it happen um I think in in churches that are fortunate to have somebody, especially like a full time guy like me on staff, they're likely to have somebody on staff who is charged with discipleship. And so it creates this dichotomy of like, I don't want to step on somebody else's turf or on their toes. Mm -hmm. So I'll let them do the discipling and I'll do the musicking. Mm -hmm. Um, But in fact, music is perhaps the most powerful discipleship tool we have at our disposal in a church. If you want to teach a kid the alphabet, you teach them a song. That's right. So if you want to teach them their faith, teach them the songs, and then their faith becomes in them so that they it's it's in their bones. They they don't have to think about it. It's just a part of who they are. So and I think about that with children's ministry and youth ministry and and gathered ministry as the whole church. I think about that in rehearsals. I think about that in choir. Um, when I'm, We have an orchestra, a uh, small one, you know, 10 to 15 players that plays here every six weeks or so. Um, and when I'm leading the orchestra, they, they don't have words on their music, but I make sure that they know the words that they're playing the music to. Mm-hmm. Because that's discipling them. Now they're, we had dancers uh, open our service last week, and they danced to an instrumental version of "Restless Love." I'm mm-hmm. sorry, "Reckless Love," <laughs> which made some people restless because uh, we had dancers in a Baptist church. But it was beautiful, and I wanted that when we prayed before the service. I, I brought the the young ladies who danced. Um, they ranged in age from nine to sixteen. I brought them into our prayer time before the service, um, and I asked them about the motions they were making in their dance and and how they connected that with the words of the song. You know, I wanted to disciple those young ladies in that moment. Uh, um, Reckless love has these amazing lines about um, there's no wall. You won't kick down. There's no lie. You won't tear down. Uh, They were making those motions with their bodies, but I want them to live that in their heads and in their hearts and in their souls. So that's an opportunity for me to disciple them. It was a minute and a half, <laughs> but they had spent four hours practicing the dance together. Mm-hmm. And as they, as those things are ingrained, it becomes a part of the worship ministry's opportunity to disciple people. So I don't know how other folks approach that, but to me, it's core. I meet with people one-on-one. I meet with people in small groups. Every committee meeting is a discipling opportunity to me as well as every rehearsal. So it's, it is infused in what we do. Um, after the discipleship picture, again, we go hyper, uh, practical. I I actually have a dress code. Um, it is, it is exceedingly, um, boundary clear and boundary wide. Uh, it's not color specific. It doesn't tell you, you know, bottom line is, is number four. There are only four items on the dress code and it just says bottom line is clear. Be modest. If you want to make a statement with your fashion, let it be this one. I'm not here to impress you about anything but Jesus. I mean, that kind of captures the dress code. But we need to have a dress code. There's this crazy verse in the Old Testament. It's in Exodus, and it says, if you're going to walk up the steps to the altar, wear your britches. It's a really loose paraphrase. (laughs)
1: That's the Rod Ellis version. It is. It is
0: definitely a Rod Ellis version. But if you'll find it, um, it says...
1: It is in there.
0: If you're going to climb up steps... People shouldn't see under your toga, like <laughs> your robe. Um, God cares about modesty. And, and that's not the only place. It's just a really funny place. Um, so there's, <laughs> that a, was for there's a dress code. Absolutely. That was for men. Yes, um, absolutely. That,
1: in that context. Right.
0: Yeah, in the Exodus context. Yeah. Uh, and our dress code is aimed at both men and women. It's not um, like women... Be modest. Men, do whatever you want. It, it really is. I, I love that closing statement. I'm not here to impress you about anything but Jesus. It, and our fashion should reflect that. So uh, we also have a code of conduct. Um, this is just the way we're going to be. And, and I'm going to pull a couple of them out here. Um, we will have fun is one of our codes of conduct. I like that. I, I think we need to have fun together. I
1: would, I would come
0: just, to, <laughs> yes, just for that part. You, you should come more often. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jesus was fun. And I know that because he always had kids around him and kids are attracted to fun and repelled by seriousness and boringness. Yeah. So I'm just convinced Jesus was probably the most fun guy in the room. And I think we want to have fun. It's practical. We'll start on time and end on time. Like that's our code of conduct. We're going to do that. Um, My favorite one says we will be for one another, encourage one another, cheer for one another and pray for one another if this is the way we are, again, it reflects that Trinity stuff we were talking about. Exactly. But man, I want my ministry to look like that. And by and large, it does. But if I don't spell that out ahead of time, then it can quickly not be that way. Absolutely. The the more, um, first of all, the bigger numerically, but also the more substantial your ministry becomes, um, the easier it is for things to be <laughs> culturally not the way you want them to be so you have to paint a clear picture of the culture and that's what the code of conduct in our little handbook does and then there's a leadership pipeline we have people who come to our church who would like to lead worship now they may just want to lead a song but they may also be called to ministry like they know I walked in. The, we had a lady who was here for three months she just got her master's degree from Western she wants to be a worship leader in a church um, her upbringing and her college education did not prepare her for that so one of her professors say, hey, why don't you go spend some time at Woodburn? I think that'd be really helpful for you. And, and I'm grateful to that professor. Um, so she spent three months here before she moved away, um, just kind of soaking up. How do I do it? So I laid out in my head a path for her. We only had her a few months, but she started by just playing in the ensemble. And then she sang a verse on a song and then she led a song. And you know, I just walked her through that pipeline. And I want to have a clear pipeline because when somebody comes here, I want them to know there is a way for you to take the next step. It's really important. Daniel M., who is um, one of the guys at Lifeway uh, Publishing, who talks about leadership development a lot, he said, the goal is not progression up or forward in the in the whole pipeline. It's becoming more of who God has called you to be. I don't think everybody should end up at the end of the pipeline. I think you find your sweet spot in the pipeline where God made you, and then you serve there. Mm-hmm. And then you're at your best. You're doing what God made you to do. So that's a part of the, path line, or the pipeline or the path. And then the next one is a, is a different kind of path, and that's a path for restoration. Um, and it opens with these words, when convicted of our sin, including repeatedly failing to follow the guidelines in this handbook, we will confess that sin to God and to a leader in the ministry. This will always be met with grace and forgiveness. So if there is no path for restoration, then there is really no reason for the law. If you just look globally, that's the difference in the Old Testament and the New Testament. God gave the Old Testament law so that people would need, they would see their need for restoration to a holy God, and then Jesus came along and made that possible. Um, None of us who are leaders in our ministry are Jesus, but we know him, and we know that he's big on restoration, and we want to be able to provide that, whether that's restoration from sin or restoration between a broken relationship or whatever so we just have four simple steps or or ways to go through a path for restoration and then it gets even more practical every position in our ministry will have a just a description kind of like a job description
1: yeah
0: we've so far developed two of these Um, one is for running sound and one is for playing in the band and it just it looks a whole lot like my job description there, it's who it reports to, how many hours are expected, what the principal function is, what the essential functions are, what the qualifications are. And then because we're using the DISC and the Enneagram, which of those would be really helpful to thrive in that position? And this way, if you're coming in as a junior in high school and you're not exactly sure where, you can read through them and go, oh, that sounds like me. I want to serve there. And if you're already serving there, it just helps you know, okay, if I'm, a, if I'm a vocalist, these are my functions. This is my job description or my position description as a volunteer in the ministry. And again, I'm a guidelines guy, not a rules guy. So if you fail at one of the essential functions, I'm going to try to coach you to do better. But I'm not going to kick you out. Like That's just not what this is about. This is a place where people grow. Uh, and I just want to make it clear what you're growing toward. And so we have been working pretty carefully to put these descriptions together. I mentioned earlier that I would say I'd come back to listening and that I've been doing a lot of that. When we do the position descriptions, we do that collectively. So I invite everybody who is in a band to come to the meeting we have to develop the job description for the band member. Amazing, and and we'll do the same with every position. And we did that with our sound guys. That was the first one we did because I thought it'd be the hardest, and it was hard. Um, But we had six of our sound guys who were in the room with the worship committee, and we just wrote on the whiteboard. Okay, what do you do? And then we tried to combine it and make it so that it you know it isn't a four-page document. Um, It's a half-page document, but it's really clear. This is what we expect, and in the principal function of the sound guy, it just says to serve those on stage so together we can serve the congregation by fully utilizing our audio system. Sound texts make the room sound great so every soul sings. Yay! That's what they do. And then there are descriptions about how, how do you do that. And so we've got clarity because to be clear is to be kind. And I want to be clear to all of those serving in our ministry. That's what our worship ministry handbook will look like.
1: And I like how you said, you know, a junior in high school, for example, they may not exactly know which yes. of these fits them at the time. Or even somebody that thinks they want to be in leadership in, right. in some form, you know, they may not have a clear picture of that either. Yeah. So it's great to see all of those options. Yes. Like. Here are all of these options, yep. and you could function in more than one of them, possibly. You could start in one place and mm-hmm. be in another place, possibly.
0: We have multiple people who serve in multiple roles, uh, and we're kind of a university town. I mean, we're you know 20 minutes out of the university part of our town, but still we're there. And we really want to connect with our university students. And many of them have had some role in their music ministry or worship ministry growing up. But they may not know what's possible in a church like ours. Um, And I don't mean that because it's a big church. It's not a big church. It's just kind of a normal church. But it's a church where you can do almost anything. And so if you've never been allowed to serve in this place, um, you come here, you probably are allowed. And this is what it looks like. And so it just opens up possibilities. And I'm excited about that for the future of, of the handbook being a part of the fabric of our ministry.
1: Yeah, I, I love that. It's open to a lot of different people. My son is 11, and he just started mm. running screens at our church, and he's yes. so excited about it. <laughs>
0: yep, we have a 14-year-old running camera and a 14-year-old running screens at our church right now, and they yeah. both just started in the last six months. Yeah. And both of them, when they walked into the church for the first time, I heard from their parents, saw the tech booth and their eyes lit up. And they're both <laughs> girls. <laughs> and and I just think that's cool like for for one of them the one who's running screens she's also starting to learn sound now um their family came for a year and their her parents wouldn't let her serve that way until they had been like you need to get ingrained in the church first and then you serve in that place that that make your eyes light up uh, and she does and she's humble and she knows that she has a lot to learn and she's excited about it and she served on screens not just once but three weeks in a row for through a series of, of weird events usually we have a three or four week rotation um, and the third week I, I texted her and said I'm sorry so I have to ask you again but we don't have anybody else we have people out of town and people sick and she said I'd love to it's so much fun Aww. don't you want that for everybody in your ministry yes. And again, that level of clarity and when people get to serve in their sweet spot, um, that just begins to characterize your ministry, which creates a culture of joy, which is contagious. And people who are not believers come in and they encounter an, a culture of joy, which they don't expect in the church. And then it changes <laughs> everything about the way they interact with the whole gathering. So, yeah. yeah. Any other th- questions or thoughts you have about the handbook? Because you hadn't heard about it till this no, these few minutes. No, just today. Okay.
1: No, I think this is amazing. It's very spiritual
0: and practical. <laughs> Yay! Um, Both at the same time. Yeah, I hope so. I hope <laughs> so, because that's the way we need to be. Um, speaking of spiritual and practical, I hope to have on our podcast in the coming months, um, not just my voice, you know, 80 or 90 or 95% of the time in Bethany's voice, um, but other voices, people in our community, Um I would love to example for example to have somebody here who is a children's pastor to ask them about you know what would you like your kids and your ministry to experience in the worship gathering like what would be discipling formational for them what would help them grow in Christ same thing with youth ministry or small groups folks um, we may do that from our church or area churches um, I would love to have people who are in town for a concert or an event come and uh, and talk with us about whatever it is that they uh, you know their sweet spot their calling um, who else uh, would be fun to have um, well we mentioned the relay worship conference before uh when we do the relay worship conference, uh, I, I hope that we'll be able to pull some of the the breakout session leaders aside and just say, "What was your breakout like?" And you know, what's some of that content that you shared? Because we don't want you to have to come to that conference to get that content. It's better if you can. We've only done it once, but it was mind-blowingly good. I, I still kind of can't get over it. And it was months and months ago. Um, God was all over it, and and really did some supernatural. Work in it. It was beautiful. Yes. Um, artists, if there are folks in town that that I can, we can get access to, I'd love to interview artists and and ask questions about worship. Um, again, I told you that Bethany has kind of led the. Because she's a seven on the Enneagram, Um, she's led this whole Soki worship community thing. There are people in the Soki worship community who are serving in um, obscurity who have extraordinary gifts. And it may be fun to interview them about some of their gifting.
1: Yeah, and songwriting. Songwriting. collaboratively write worship songs together. I would love for us to get Sean in here to talk about that and how it works in our group.
0: yes. Uh, I am not a songwriter, so I, I like I can't identify with that. But I love people who are, and I'm so grateful for them. And in our community, we have the One Church Collective, which is a group of, of lots and lots and lots of churches. And they come together and do songwriting. They just had their first retreat a few weeks ago to write songs. Um, there's a, a night of worship coming up in a few weeks where they're going to uh, unveil some of those songs. So, yes, yeah, certainly getting their voice in here. Um If you can think, listeners, if you can think of people or topics that you would like to hear addressed, would you leave those in comments um, to this episode? Or again, you can email me at ellis at gmail.com and uh, and ask me. if I don't know the answer, I would love to find somebody who does and ask them and do it in front of you, so to speak, so that you can get the answer to your question and I can get it too. That would just be so fun for me. Uh, if you know of people that are in the Bowling Green, Soakie, uh, Southern Kentucky region that we ought to talk to, um, give me a shout. Let me know. I'd be glad to, to include other voices. I'm already tired of hearing me talk, so I can't imagine how tired you are of hearing me talk. So let's get some other people in the room and listen to them as well. Bethany, anything else you can think of?
1: Oh well, there's all kinds of exciting things <laughs> coming up. I, I have too many things uh, going on yeah. in my head.
0: <laughs> yeah, worship Kentucky and yeah, conferences, Kentucky. and yeah, it's a great place to be a part of the church music community. If you are a church musician but you're not a part of the community yet, um, reach out to us. We'd love to do that. We're both on Facebook. You can find us on social media, um, and then just you know, reach out directly. We'd be glad to get you engaged with other folks who do that. Thanks for listening. Um, Next time we are gonna stay in the practical realm in a way that you have no idea can be so practical. So come back for the next episode of So Every Soul Sings.